This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now we have what seems like our annual health service crisis. Uh, This time, of course, it seems even worse than before. People are in terrible situations in Limerick A&E, for example, which is regarded as probably being the worst in the country. The situation is desperate. People on trolleys elsewhere, people can't even get to that. And of course, the nurses and doctors are burnt out, sick of what they have to endure every day of the year, really. And on the Brendan O'Connor radio program yesterday morning, the Dr. Emily O'Connor, who's a consultant in emergency medicine, was really heartrending to listen to her talk about nurses and young doctors being broken. And she said at one stage, we're done. It's a terrible crisis for patients. It is a terrible situation for people who should be really not suffering as they try to do the work of caring for people in need of health care. To discuss this health care crisis, where it originates from, we're joined now by Fanon Sheehan. Fanon is Ireland editor for independent newspapers and one of the most experienced uh, political journalists in the country. Fanon, this is, as I suggested, an annual affair, but it does appear to be worse this year than it's ever been. The scenes in Limerick, which I witnessed on Friday night, I think, in A&E were just horrific. And the stories of nurses being broken, feeling broken and ill and done. The images of that first nurses and doctors is so horrific. How have we got to here, Finon? And I'm bearing in mind that, for example, the chaos. The Irish Times has a lead story today. Hundreds in hospital while 1,000 care home beds are empty. Now, this just seems like maladministration. Where have we come from and where are we going with a health service that can treat people this badly? 
it's 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 multifaceted. It's it's not just the case that you can pin this down and say this is the reason for this, and if we just fix that one problem, then everything else uh, will be fine. For example, a week ago you had a new record, a most unwanted record of nine hundred and thirty people uh, on trolleys uh, awaiting a a hospital bed. This week. Uh, that's down to just under 500. So that, that's a substantial uh, reduction uh, along the way, ne- nearly having the numbers who are on trolleys. And that is being attributed to uh, more staff coming in over the weekend, both, both at consultant and nurse level, and also the ability to discharge patients to appropriate facilities because you can't just send people uh, who are still sick back out there into the into the community and into their own homes. They'll often need step down facilities and, and and so on. So that's one example uh, of how yes things can be run slightly better, uh, a more joined up approach uh, towards a crisis, and you deliver a result. Nonetheless, you still have five hundred people. Uh, on on trolleys uh, effectively uh, overnight, but you you have got a, a wide range of factors that have all come together uh, on on this occasion. We're not out of the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, yes. yet. There is still elements of of COVID circulating. The last couple of years with the, with the with the the prevalence of of COVID nineteen as a as a virus, we have now seen a resurgence uh, in other flu like viruses this year, uh, and also RSV. So you have a range of respiratory illnesses kind of going around like a cocktail almost uh, at at this stage. Where go back five years, and it would have been quite clear that the majority of people who were getting severely ill. Perhaps they had the one strain uh, of the flu. We had that also during COVID nineteen. This year is different uh, in that it is uh, so so diverse. And then a big factor uh, is our aging population. So you do have a disproportionate number uh, of elderly people being admitted to hospital because they are getting severely ill. Uh, it takes a longer time for them to be discharged yes. and they often need to be discharged to not only be discharged because they're well enough to be discharged, but a, a place found uh, for them to go to. So some of it can be attributed just to pure uh, demographics. And we also have to bear in mind our population is at its highest level now at 5 million uh, since the famine 175 years ago. So that's all putting various degrees of, of pressure uh, on a system uh that has been strained, to say the least, I suppose, in, in recent years as a result of COVID-19 and is now coming back off the back of that, seemingly into what people regarded as a back-to-normal style uh, winter season, which really wasn't because it was uh, it was worse from a, a medical uh, perspective in, in terms of the number of, of viruses out there. So you have all of this com- contributing to a, a, a perfect storm. On the flip side, you do have a, a large amount uh, of investment in, in the health service. Uh, it's at a higher level than, than before. You're talking about, about one in every five euros that, that spent it goes uh, on, on, on the health service. 
there are there is progress being made on things uh, such as a, a consultant's contract that is for uh, public uh, hospitals only. We'll, you'll be told that there's plenty of capital investment uh, coming down the track uh, in terms of, of additional uh, medical facilities and that there's greater focus on, on primary care. But largely speaking, the, the number of people in the country and the ageing population, uh, the the hospital system has not kept pace with with the number of beds, and hence you get this bottleneck that develops uh, pretty much every January. And this year has been quite surprising uh, in that it's a classic case of well, you saw this one coming, lads. So why weren't you prepared uh, on on this occasion? So we have seen yes. that that change in fortunes and that that change of tactic uh, in, over the course of this weekend uh, to try and alleviate some of that pressure. And the question being raised now is, well, why wasn't this ready weeks ago? I mean, the HSE management are are saying, oh, the approach we took this weekend wasn't down to criticism. And you're kind of saying, well, it was down to criticism. It was down to the patient safety concerns that there were uh, around the the number of people that were on uh, on trolleys and the unsatisfactory uh, treatment that that people were being provided with. We haven't yet got to a point where you can actually directly turn around and say uh, a number this number of deaths happened as a result uh, of that overcrowding. But nonetheless, international studies will show where you have overcrowded hospitals, where you have delays in treating patients and they're left for a long time before uh, being admitted or being being triaged, that does result in, in higher levels uh, of, of mortality. So, you know, there, there is there are consequences beyond uh, you're not just talking about patient discomfort here uh, and people no. being in, on trolleys and wars. There are actual medical consequences uh, as, as a result uh, of this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. In a poll in yesterday's Sunday Independent, an unbelievable figure of 75% said they would only go to A&E if their lives depended on it. 
Now, the you know reliability of polls such as this on this topic, you'd have to factor in. Nevertheless, the other issue is that the INMO, the Irish Nurses and Midwives uh, Organization, Phil Nehay is the sec- general secretary, and she is now talking about strike action. And uh, to contextualize it, of course, we must acknowledge, if you look across the water in Britain, it appears to be, if anything, even worse. And the nurses are, in fact, on strike. The other thing, Finon, is that many nurses and junior doctors now, when they train here, they leave as soon as they have the qualification. And I'm looking at the lists of, and this is where the politics come in, of ministers for health. Brian Cowan was minister of health. Michal Martin has set up the HSE. Mary Harney was minister of health for uh, about seven years. James Riley, who will ever forget James Riley? Leo Vradker, a doctor himself. Simon Harris for four years, and the incumbent is Stephen Donnelly. Is there something that all of those people share in common, or is there something, and I want to talk about Slauntacare, mm. which was to be a new era that would rid us of most of our problems. And where is Slauntacare now? By the way, something that comes across in that list of of health ministers that you've identified there over the past uh, generation, you you would three Tishig in there, yes, uh, a, a uh, uh for a, a substantial period of time as well in, in Mary Harney and yes. you know, our, our current Tanishta, um, and former Tishig Mihal Martin. So there's not exactly a shortage of very senior figures, and each of them will will turn around and say there were individual things that they achieved, but yet we're still left with this uh, interminable problem that, that seems to be a never-ending discussion about healthcare reform. Can we um, say it's not about money? Is, it, is that fair to say? Or in the case of the Irish Times headline this morning, it appears about competence. Well, uh, you've a hundred, yeah, a thousand I mean, people, yeah. a thousand beds in the care homes and you've people who can't get out of hospital because there's no beds. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's always about money. I mean, if if you put more money into the equation, uh, you're you're supposed to get better outcomes. Now, that's that's debatable. Yeah. Uh, in 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 some cases, in, in in this country, in terms of housing and health uh, and education, but but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, there there is this ongoing debate. Is it simply about the management in individual hospitals? Is that why there is a problem? Yes. People, you you mentioned the University of Limerick, uh, yes. UHL, uh, University Hospital Limerick, and again overnight uh, the, the largest number of patients on trolleys, and people will turn around and say, "Well, is that down to the to the management of the hospital? Is it down to the the, the the level of staffing, or is it down to the large catchment area that you have uh, in the Midwest that has all been funneled now into one particular hospital?" Uh, after you had emergency departments in other hospitals in that region closed down. So, again, you can turn around to pretty much every acute hospital in the country, look at their numbers of patients on trolleys and say there is a specific reason for this, uh, which isn't necessarily down to the management or the caseloads, but is, is actually just down uh, to specific factors uh, in that region that is, is putting it up, uh, upon people. What what Slantecare was supposed to do was do away with the, the, the two-tier 
uh, health system. We had a, a previous uh, shot at this uh, a decade ago, which which failed miserably, and that was James Riley's view of a of a Dutch model of the, of the, the health service, which would be universal health insurance, which would basically mean if you don't have health insurance the state will give you health insurance and therefore you'll be on the same level as, as private patients. In this case, Slauncher uh, is is supposed to provide a universal healthcare model. Uh, it's supposed to follow the example uh, of, of other uh, European countries. It came about as a result of a kind of a consensus view that was come to in the wake of the 2016 general election when basically we didn't have a, minor- uh, a majority government, uh, let's remember, and it it is down to that idea that you uh, you you tackle the discrepancy in in waiting times between private health insurance and public patients, and you you basically seek to eliminate that. It's it's I mean the the advantages for people with private health care, and I confess that I have private health care, yeah. and I am therefore fortunate enough to have preferential treatment in this area. I don't believe, though, that uh, your means should be a factor when you're sick. And this principle, if you like, seemed to be at the heart of Slauncher I saw uh, about a, a year ago, Roisin Shortall, who's on the health committee uh, of the Dáil, and Robert Watt, who's the secretary general, then the new secretary general, still the secretary general of the Department of Health, uh, Mr. Watt is a renowned, very bullish civil servant, but he's renowned for being blunt. He had a, a disagreement with Roisin Shortall, who had been, ironically, junior minister under James Riley when she resigned because of Dr. Riley's behavior as she saw it. They had a row, and it did seem as if Secretary General Watt was not an enthusiast for Slaughter Care, but it's still on, it's still, and uh, nominally, anyway, going. Yeah, I mean, uh, apart from phasing out the, the private beds in public hospitals and therefore gearing up public hospitals uh, to perform more procedures and be able to focus solely on, on public patients and level the paying pitch uh, in that regard, along with expanding primary care to move, try and move as much healthcare away from the, the hospital environment uh, back into local communities. The big reorganizational structure that Staunch Care is supposed to bring about is kind of regional health areas yes. where you basically divide up the country into six regions and say, right, all the healthcare that is required of people should be provided uh, in this re- in this region with, you know, up to a, a certain point, there'll obviously be very specialist uh, hospitals that will, that will do rare uh, procedures or will, will specialise in a particular area. But that was the, the, the thesis. This would get away from the, the current uh, HSE structure. Uh, it would also get away from the, the current hospital groups. It would, it would rather mimic the old school health boards that we had in place before uh, the HSE uh, w- was established, where you had eight different health boards uh, a- across the country. And basically, that transformation hasn't happened yet. We've had a number of, of issues within the Department of Health uh, around where this policy uh, is is going. In principle, you're told, oh, yeah, absolutely, 
all in favour of doing away with private beds in, in public uh, hospitals. Hence, we have a new consultant's public only contract. That's part of, of, of that thesis. All in favour of expanding uh, of primary care, but not too keen on devolving authority out to to the regions yes. uh, away from the, the central hub, which is very often the case in terms of, of any structure of government people don't like to devolve power over over to others that are that are beyond their control the argument coming back from those who are circulating around the department of health is we had a global pandemic it tested and if anything reformed health service delivery in this country and beyond faster literally overnight compared to any other uh, event that has happened in in the in the previous generation. In other words, the nurses and doctors rose to the challenge to, of the occasion. Is that what you're effectively uh, saying? That and and the system did change overnight. So from basic things such as your doctor being able to provide an an electronic prescription for you, which made renewals an awful lot easier, which meant that yes. people didn't have to go back and four to GPs. That literally just happened overnight. That was held up for years, that people were having to go to get a physical script. They were now able to email the the script to your to your chemist, and you could cut out that, that middleman system of having to go uh, and physically queue to see uh, a doctor. Small things like that, right up to and including a, a, a testing system for COVID-19, which uh, pretty much everybody in, in the country had to avail of at one one time or another, and a, a national, national vaccination service. And the point being made by those within the Department of Health and somebody in the HSE as well is, do we really want eight different vaccination um, services operate, or six different vaccination services operate in the country at different paces with different people administering it, because that's what we're going to end up with if we have eight different autonomous uh, regional authorities in charge of health. And what actually we were seeing during COVID-19 was there is an argument to be said for having that centralized delivery of services that then goes out with the one single policy across the country. You can argue the same around the delivery, something that we saw majorly during the uh, during that crisis was the delivery of PPP, a PPE that was all uh, centralised as well. We also had a, a fairly groundbreaking agreement with private hospitals in terms of the provision of beds. Yes. Now the argument now is that not enough of those beds were taken up, and that there was a lot of money wasted. But nonetheless, that was all done centrally. It wasn't done by regional authorities striking their their own deals and doing their own negotiations. So basically, what has become of Slauncher Care is it's now in something of a limbo, whereby the, the political system in Leinster House is saying, look, we all agreed to this. All of the parties have signed up for it. All of the parties are still signed up to it. And the Department of Health are saying, well, we're kind of in favour of it, but we think it has to be amended uh, on foot of what happened during COVID-19. But nobody is really getting around to saying that, that the thing has to be torn up and, and looked at again. So this often happens in agreements that, that you have. I must refer yeah. back to the um, encounter between Roisin Shortall, who's a leader of the Social Democrats, and Robert Watt. 
the distinct impression I got, I took away from that, and I think I saw that reflected in newspaper reports afterwards, was that Robert Watt wasn't at all sure that slanted care was a very good idea. It was the, a devolving power out of the department. Yeah, that that that's very much consistent with the view that that you're hearing from people in the Department of Health that they're unsure that this is a good idea at this point. They're basically saying maybe it was back in 2016, but that the game has changed so substantially uh, in the last couple of years as a result of yes. COVID-19 that 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 is not what we need now. Now you'd have to say there is a bit of a symptom of. This is a symptom of dysfunction uh, within the delivery of, of health services uh, in this country where what one element, what one arm is saying is not necessarily what another arm is saying. So in this case, you have the political system saying, slanted care, all systems go on that. And you have the health system saying, well, no, uh, hold your horses. We're, we're, we're not quite there yet. You were saying on a very micro level, a, a similar case emerging in the case of, of Navin General Hospital, yes. where the HSE was saying, this hospital is now dangerous, lives will be lost, the level of care that can be provided here is not up to scratch, so therefore we have to, to close down the emergency department for anything that is regarded as, as beyond uh, minor injuries and redirect those patients uh, towards our ladies in, in Drogheda uh, and also in t- towards Blanchardstown and, and Mullingar, uh, if, if needs be. The political system and the Department of Health pushed back and said, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not up for doing that. Uh, we don't want that move to be made. So, again, it's, we've seen this repeated over the years. What one element is saying is not necessarily with, consistent with what another is saying. And that does has probably been seen to be exacerbated uh, over the course of the last couple of years, where you saw greater levels of power being attributed to different elements of the health system. The HSE, uh, its, its, its budget uh, and its capacity for delivering services expanded quite dramatically during COVID-19. Therefore, so did its power. You saw uh, effectively disagreements between uh, officials such as the chief medical officer and the minister for health yes. and government as a whole happening during COVID-19 as well. So there is a point here, though, Eamon, that why would you take a plan that was developed in 2016 when right. we weren't really taking account of the ability of global pandemics to close down the world? Why would you not take that on board now when you're looking yes. at, at putting a new system in place? So, in, in the case of the nurses mm-hmm. uh, and junior doctors who have to live with this and who are, as was, you know, has been said many times, but very poignantly articulated by Dr. O'Connor on the radio yesterday morning, you are dealing with people that we and the political system have broken. And that's a, a direct quote. And nurses and junior doctors, particularly nurses, who are saying, we're done. We can't do anymore. That is, I don't want to sound crude, but are there votes in health? Because the way it's managed and the carelessness evident when it repeats itself every year leads me to believe that there are no votes in it. And therefore, 
in the political system, it is not a priority. And that, as you said, uh, you know, a lot of Tishi, Michael Martin, Brian Cowan, Mary Harney, a leader of a party, Leo Radker, now the Taoiseach, a lot of heavy hitters have been in that department, but still none of them have got the job done at all. A lot of them have left quite frustrated, uh, yeah. ultimately. I mean, Leo Radker was offered the opportunity, famously, by Enda Kenny to go back into that department in 2016. He said, no, thanks very much. I'll move on elsewhere. So uh, it, it's it's not as if too many of them have come out of that department with their, their reputations uh, enhanced. They, they probably can in terms of, of individual measures. Michal Martin will talk about cardiac care, the restructuring of the HSE, the, the, the smoking ban. Cancer band. care cancer was centralised by Mary Harney yeah, cancer and, cancer and appears to have been a success. And she and she will rightly turn around and say she developed the new cancer care model. The, the fair deal system uh, for nursing homes also came in during her time, which is now pivotal for anybody there. So there will be individual ministers will point to uh, certain particular areas and say, I did that. For example, Leo Varadkar keeps going around saying that he delivered uh, medical cards for young children now hitting up to the age of, of six, when in fact that was Dr. James Riley's idea and he was the one who got that ball rolling. So you're going to have individual ministers will point things, but they won't be able to say they got the overall picture uh, right. So that was the argument around Slanchicare, that it was uh, a whole new approach uh, and that it was a, a different way of, of coming at things. Does health matter? Well, if you look at surveys uh, around about election time, I'm not just talking about in terms of who you're voting for in terms of a party. In terms of uh, election surveys that look at the, the reasons why people vote in particular ways, uh, what are the number one issues that are on their agendas? Health is predominantly right up there. It's probably been uh, housing has, has yes. come on a, on a similar plateau to it in, in recent times. But people do say that health does matter. It's certainly the best way to activate and agitate a local population um, in a particular part of the country is to tell them that a hospital is being downgraded in your area or some form of, of health service delivery in your area is changing and you it will result in, in substantial protest. So it does uh, get people active. So maybe there is that disconnect um, between people saying that it is a major issue for them and actually how they vote because you don't just have political parties that will come out and say we are only interested in health that is the only issue on our agenda yes. but yeah. you, you do tend to get uh, independents elected who are running solely on health service agendas yes. for example Matt Shanahan currently down in Waterford uh, was elected at the last election and his main platform was on uh, cardiac services at, at, at Waterford Hospital. So, you know, th that, that still does happen. But, yeah, I, I agree with Did you. Did he get a result? He's not there yet, no. I mean, right. he would, he'd still argue that the, the promises... No, I know that particular upon. area, and you've yeah. got to go to Cork at certain stuff. If it happens, in, if you have a stroke or a heart attack in the yeah. middle of the night, I mean, it's criminal. And the argument is that the the services that were that were promised uh, haven't been delivered uh, upon yet. So, yeah, I think you have a point. What, what people say is the number one issue 
uh, on their agenda very often isn't the reason why they vote in, in a particular right. way at, at the election time. Final speculation I, I'll ask you to indulge in. You might want to, Fanon, uh, but no one knows better than you. Very few observers of Leinster House. Uh, is Slantecare dead? I've thought that Slantecare has been dead since the last general election. Since since we got a, a yes. government that has a substantial majority, I didn't really see that that consensus view uh, that that came about with dealing with Sanchez was was going to to survive. I think it was of its of its time. I think as you dig deep into it as well, there there are certain elements of it that are a bit kumbaya that that don't particularly answer the question around well what exactly is happening uh, with with the private healthcare system because what you know ultimately you were talking about you have uh, I do you have private healthcare but the argument is that. We also need people to have private health care because if, if you were to give up your private health care in the morning, you would then be, again, be de- de- another person dependent upon the public yes. health care system, which yes. is which is struggling dramatically following COVID-19 and has the best part of a million people. I think it was 920,000 people awaiting a procedure uh, at, at this time. So, Sancha Care provided a, a particular model, but I don't think it, it answered all of the the difficult questions that there are uh, around how our our healthcare system uh, is is to be modeled going into the future and there very definitely is question marks over whether we are wise to go back to what looks to all intents and purposes as an old school health board model which then you know, we saw that old model in in place. Uh, I'm 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 around journalism long enough to have been covering uh, meetings of the of the Southern Health Board, which covered Cork and Kerry. It it all became very politicised. Uh, it was all became very parish pump. If one hospital got something, then another hospital in a, in in another county needed to get uh, the the same thing. It was very difficult to to centralise. And specialize in particular services when you had those arguments going around, going on around how you were going to spend your budget. So I'm, I'm not really convinced that though that, that model of six regions is the best way to go. And that certainly deserves to be, to be debated out at this point. But that's up to the Minister for Health to articulate. We need to hear the Minister for Health say, is Slauncher Care what he sees as the model going forward? Uh, is that what all three parties in government are fully signed up to, or are they just tipping along on, until uh, the next general election, just seeing what they can get done? Okay, uh, Finon, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and we're very grateful to you. Finon Sheehan is Ireland editor of Independent Newspapers, and we're very grateful to Finon, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.